0: This is Shannon Sossaman, and I play Lauren Hind in The Rules of Attraction. I'm gonna watch the movie with you guys right now. And it's a story that might bore you, but you don't have to listen because I always knew it was going to be like that. And it was, I think, in that last year, or actually weekend, really a friday in december at camden and this was years ago when i was a different person i remember filming this um, voiceover was so hard for me i just could not get it i lost it to some guy who i thought was a ceramics major but was actually either an nyu film student who was just when we were filming that roger let me play music because they just added this song in later and i think i was listening to I switched it between a Stereolab song and a Bjork song. During this, just this whole close-up when I was drunk. And you
1: can girl that if she'll fuck you, one out of 20 say yes. A junior,
0: a drama major, just back from Europe. Only a little gay with flexed blonde hair, a great body, and these amazing gray eyes. Bam.
1: 20th one, you're fucking right
0: there. I think there's this is actually the day that I first met I'm Jessica we and Kip. They really this is our first day of working that party. The whole football team. They came in kind of late in the game so I think that they were both nervous. but we didn't want them to be nervous because we were all having such a great time. That's funny. She's now married to a senator and has four kids. How time distorts things okay now this um this is the scene that we filmed on September eleventh We found out the you know that morning what had happened and then we all still went to work. everybody was really late, but we all got there and Roger just you know like half the set was pissed and wanted to go home, understandably. I don't know what I was feeling. I think I was hungover. But Roger wanted to keep going, and which made a lot of sense as well. So this whole scene was that day. And it, and it was really funny, I remember, because um, it was just such a surreal day. I was just like, you know what? I don't even care what happens. I'm just going to sit on this couch, and he's just... This guy was funny. In, um, I just remember being like, Ugh, whatever, she's drunk, who cares? And she was looking back at him with confidence because she knew that underneath her clothes she was wearing a black frog. Ugh, still this voiceover just keeps going. It was just such a nightmare. I'm sorry, what was I talking about? Um But I had the next best thing. He also told me I looked like Clara Beau in this. I think that was his idea, Eric's. And then afterwards, I went and looked at pictures of Clarabo, and I didn't like really anything like her. <laughs> I kind of wanted to look a little bit like her, but I guess he just meant more like I reminded—I don't know. Okay, so here is. He wouldn't have if I had one or not. Yeah, I'm just drunk. There's that wonderful jacket. When I came to, he was already fucking me, but he didn't know that I was- a When I first saw this scene, um, it was pretty weird, because I was with Roger and Kip and the producer Greg, and we went to eat at a restaurant and Roger was editing the movie. And then across from the restaurant, there was a strip bar. So he went to a strip bar and, and, he, <laughs> and uh, he had a computer with him and he was gonna surprise me and show me a few scenes. and then so we were in the strip bar and you know the music's really loud and stuff and i can't hear and i've got the headphones on i'm trying to watch this exact scene right here so then finally i go with roger out into the back alley like where the strippers all smoke and i sat out there and i watched it and the first time i saw it i was just so i mean i can only imagine what like my family or even people that don't know me when they f- were when they saw this what they might have been feeling because it's Even though I know it's, you know, that it wasn't this bad at all, it was still really weird when I first watched it. Because of the way that it's filmed, I think. And because of that guy. Ugh. Shit. It's even worse than that. There's, it's cut out. Um, it was cut down. <laughs> the the way Roger really wanted it was a lot harsher. Oh, the cool music. The music is probably um, probably the set my second favorite thing about this movie all the music (laughs) that guy was really funny that guy with the keg he was sweet okay we all had to do this um because of all this reverse action and whatnot through this whole party um It was easy for us because, basically, we just had to do it a million times. So me and Eric had to just walk across the stairs, past Sean, like, a million times. And everyone else had to do their, like, simple action, whatever that might have been in that moment, a million times as well. But I think it was really hard for... or a challenge for everybody else in the camera department and for the script supervisor to get all this to work. Because it happens three times, I think. Three times. There's Ian. Oh, and Jay. Oh, totally adorable. Jay on the right, right there. So, so precious.
2: My mouth allows thoughts to drop out of my brain and
3: roll off of my tongue like gumballs. I imagine all the things in life that never were. And all the things it could have been. He'll do.
2: Oh, I like this song. Gay song, definitely. Do you have any E? That shit makes your spinal fluid run backwards. <laughs> I may have some up in my room. You game, right?
0: The way I got this movie was kind of strange, because it it all just happened really fast. It all happened in about 24 hours. I got a call from my agent and my manager, it was a conference call, and they said, you know, there's this script called The Rules of Attraction, and the guy who wrote it directed this movie called Killing Zoe, and he also wrote Pulp Fiction, gave me the whole deal. and they said, we're going to send you the script tonight and, and set up the meeting for you to meet with the director tomorrow. And I said, and it was all so fast. And they were like, you know, they really need to cast the girl. They, it was just really like a intense phone call. And I hadn't even heard of the name. You know, sometimes you hear about a project and then you get the call. Or This was just all like everything was just in one phone call hearing even that this, that, that, this existed and that, you know, blah, 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 blah. So then I said, yeah, okay, we'll just, I guess we'll meet at my house. And I'd never really had a meeting at my house before and I just wanted to, it just came out of my mouth. I was like, yeah, we'll meet at my house. I just seemed like what I should do. And um, I read the script that night and I hadn't worked in a while. I hadn't worked since um, 40 days and 40 nights. It was about nine months in. I didn't really kinda know much about much (laughs) when it came to movies still don't but um this script when i read it was just so i don't know just made me feel feel strange and um i met you know i met with roger the next day and i just felt really strange but i liked kind of the way i felt i didn't know what i felt but um roger came over the next day and we just um He wasn't like I expected at all. I don't even know what I expected, but he was just so fun and loving, and then he came over and um, we started just talking about the script for a second, and then we moved on to, like, talking about just life and and stuff, and it was great. (laughs) And then by the end of it, he was just like, okay, so you'll do the movie? And it was funny because I was thinking the same thing. In my head, I was... Thinking, oh God, I wonder if I'm gonna get this movie because I wanted it after I met Roger. So it was funny, and then when he said that, I just like kind of melted. I was really excited, even though I don't even though I don't know what I was excited about because um, I had no idea what I was about to do. That was Kate, Kate Bosworth. Um, but you guys probably know that Lots of smoking I did in this movie. I just quit smoking so that's really a really big deal for me. <laughs> I smoked a lot in this movie. smoked a lot when I wasn't being filmed in this movie too.
2: Let go of the past and look forward to the future. Pretend to be a vampire. I don't really need to pretend because it's who I am. An emotional vampire. I just kind of expect it. Vampires are real. That I was born this way. That I feed off of other people's real emotions. Search for this night's prey. Who will it be?
0: I think that the clothes in this movie are really, really great because they're all very. Um,
2: I think I fucked her somewhere towards the beginning of
0: term. What made me think of that was uh, no. the back of Kate and the little butterfly on her shirt and the shirt is brown and white and nothing really is annoying or dated or um, unnecessary or lazy. You know, all the clothes are very um, Peter. simple and timeless even though that's kind of annoying I guess to say it's kind of an overused term but it's really true in this movie Um, the color that kind of runs throughout the movie you know Roger did all that on purpose I remember him talking to me about that and saying you know the the color scheme there's gonna be you know certain colors that each character wears at certain times and during certain scenes or weather changes and whatnot and uh I think when you watch the movie and it's maybe even something that's subconscious for people watching it but it, it's like eye candy it's so nice it never bugs you I think that's something that's really important I think that when people watch movies they don't they don't know it but if something like the the costumes are off even if that's you know they don't know that that's what they don't like about the movie, it it might be what they don't like about the movie. It might be what irritates them. But they'll just blame it on the movie. They'll be like, you know, I didn't like that movie. But it could have been something as simple as that because it's just subconscious and irritating when that stuff's not right. This is really funny. <laughs> James, I guess, really learned how to play this song. It's just so funny. Because you really see, I hate that kind of singing voice. Oh. He's, like, doing that singing voice that makes you cringe.
2: That she started to cry. I'm not ready for
0: oh, that's so cute. I love that shot of her. It's precious.
2: Maybe it was the ecstasy I'm pretty sure she was on. Maybe it was that she thought she really loved me. But when he kissed her on the lips, he instantly went hard. She was crying, her face was slick, but she let him pull her clothes off. She smelled like sweet fruit. She was small, too. Pubic hair, sparse. <laughs> When he fingered her, he didn't feel anything. She wasn't getting wet, even though she was making soft little moans. He was semi-stiff and losing his erection. Something was wrong. Something was missing. He didn't know what.
0: Hmm. I think that was a little awkward for everybody in the
2: audience.
0: It's so funny.
2: Before he came, it hit him. He can't remember the last time he had Uh, sex sober.
4: uh, uh, Peter! Oh, Peter!
0: It was really amazing. I, like I mentioned before, I, I hadn't worked for nine months, but the only films I had done were um, one was a um, Columbia Pictures film, and the other one was a Universal Miramax film. They were both relatively big films, and I'd never done anything small before, you know, which is very lucky, very fortunate. <laughs> thing to be able to say but anyways kind of backwards but doing this doing something smaller was just such a blessing was so amazing Uh, i love that i love that shot i just needed it i needed to do something like that it was just a different feeling it was You didn't feel like there was so much at stake, you know, on set. It was just a feeling on set that was different. It was um, maybe more more magical and uh, couldn't quite put your finger on it, but you were just so excited to be there every day. And I'm sure that there's big movies that are like that, but I just had never experienced something like this before.
5: Hi, I'm Teresa Wayman, and I played this food service girl This scene actually was a lot harder for me than any of the other ones I played, (laughs) including the suicide scene. Just because it was, I just realized that acting normally, having to do subtle little things was sometimes a lot harder than being able to just let go and like express yourself in a more extreme way. So it was actually really challenging and I was very nervous even though I had already like, accomplished kind of what I felt like I wanted to accomplish with the other scene, because we shot the other scene first. Luckily, James was nice enough to stand there behind the camera so that I could have actually somebody to look at. I don't think I, I mean it just would have been too much for me to have to look at the camera and pretend I'm... I'm pretty, still pretty inexperienced, but um, it was fun that day, was like a lot of waiting and um, it always seems like it's like you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and all of a sudden it's like, oh my god, go, go, go and you have to go and you, you're like there and you're nervous and then it just
0: happens and it all just falls into place. So I, one time when I was skateboarding, I was on the sidewalk, and I just, it was done. I ate it. <laughs> I fell really hard on my ass, and it didn't hurt because I was going really fast, and I didn't think it hurt, and I was really excited that it didn't hurt, but to everybody else, and it's a movie set, by the way, so that, you know, and you're the actress, um, to everybody else, they would just thought I was <laughs> so hurt, and um, and I was actually fine, and I remember feeling kind of high from it, like, wow, that was fun, falling when normally, you know, it would be the opposite.
2: Do you really like those boring, naive, coy, calculating girls... Hi, my name's
0: Clifton Collins Jr., I play Rupert.
2: Burn together, I'll burn alone.
6: And uh, I am Vanderbeek's drug dealer.
2: This, this, is stranger than
3: I ever thought.
6: Here we see uh, old Jimbo driving up to my beautiful house. Uh, it's very lucrative being the kind of dealer that I am. This is uh, my right-hand man. This is uh, my personal co-core. I did a really nice job. And this is uh, powdered sugar. Yeah, that's
2: what it was. What's going on? You're gonna have to sell
6: that bike to yours. That's what's going on. Why? Where's my money, college boy? You take American Express? <laughs> that's not funny. <clears throat> that karate scene there it came up at the last minute. Roger thought it would just be a nice last minute addition. We shot five regular and we shot one like that, and that's when it ended up. I think it turned out really nice. Now, all I gotta do is apply And there's nothing like bending over Beekster. Making him look like that. I'm not your enemy, Rupert. I don't have a weapon. that's why you get a little time, Homes. You want some coke? This is particularly fun because Jim, it was really a challenge to trying to get him to, uh, I don't know, as a dealer. I mean, not me personally, but as Rupert. You know. Want a guy like this who owes you money to be so calm. And uh, it was a little frustrating sometimes, but, uh, you know, he's stating character, which was good. I think you're a rich motherfucking motherfucker who owes me a fucking shitload of motherfucking cash. That's what I think, you rich motherfucking motherfucker. You want some blood, motherfucker? You bring me my motherfucking cash, motherfucker. Fuck you. Jesus fucking This is more or less kind of a little. Homage to Samuel L. Jackson, uh, Roger and I both, uh, Roger came out to me after I worked this for two days with my partner. We couldn't help but notice the similarities. And then, put two and two together, Roger co-wrote Pulp Fiction... ...and I got to work with them 187. I thought, nah, it's okay.
2: Fucking Rupert fucking A, man. I'm
6: not like... Desert Eagle 50 caliber pistol that got really heavy after a while.
2: My family had to sell the fucking cow to get me here, man. I'm working in food service. Bullshit!
6: I really do hate that camera. All I saw was Vanderbeek. It was really hard to make him break. At one point, I went up to Raj, and Raj was like, well, what do you want to do? I said, I just can't scare the guy, and I'm really, really pissed. If I had a real bullet in this, I'd probably pull the trigger. He was like, well, what do you want to do, Cliffy? I said, uh, I'd like to pistol whoop him. He said, uh, all right, go ahead, do it. But uh, Desert Eagle's a heavy pistol, and I didn't want to break James's face. <laughs> Yeah, looking into the camera like that, um, it's not something you see too often, but uh, it was fun to do. I just looked into James's eye, which was the lens, essentially. and I think it was easier to scare the lens than it was James.
2: <laughs> he
6: really did. They could, the camera pissed me the fuck off. Jim owed me 3000 the camera would be like five. dollars
2: You need me, and you know and I need the cash.
6: My taxes, my, uh, my mom didn't call me back.
2: I need you like I need a motherfucking asshole
6: on my elbow. Right here. An asshole. The smile on Roger's face we brought that to life was great. From my understanding, is he had written that quite some time ago and adapted it to uh, Bret Easton's uh, Rupert think, and this. Man? I think it worked out nicely. I think
3: you should sniff less cocaine and stop leaving the gun them laying around the table, man. Leave the boy alone before him pissing panty. <laughs>
6: You know I'm just bugging with you, baby, right? It's just the way the, the, the whole dialogue flows. It's so fast with all the words and stuff. Uh, I couldn't help it. And it's such a fun character to do that in between takes, we'd go to the backyard, and Sam and I uh, would just sit there and run the lines and just stay in it. And it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun when you really own it. Now,
3: money, fresh out on the morning,
2: snore with a bumble clock wrong with him. Maybe 20% of her market value. 50%, you say? Hot damn college, boy. That's some good
6: motherfucking math. I do believe we have ourselves a deal. Do we have ourselves a deal? I'm trying real hard to work with James here. rather his character.
3: It's time for you to get to work. Sometimes a minute will last. Like an hour, you know, or other times, an hour just just zips by like a minute. Mm-hmm. It's all it's all subjective. Every every person, you know, perceives it perceives it different. It's like that's why you can't trust clocks, you know.
2: Mark you owe me 500 bucks. I want it by Sunday okay
3: you know I don't have any clocks in my room because they they inter- they interfere with your ability to um, to adjust the time to just to, su- to suit your needs yeah you know? Mark. Do not be a slave to time, my friend, <clears throat> because it, uh, there's no point. <clears throat> <Ooh. clears throat> Ooh. Oh. oh, oh, I, I can I- feel my dick. I can feel my dick. Oh, Oof. oh my god! Oh.
2: Oh. Hey, <laughs> fucking hey! What about the cash, Mark?
3: What about the fucking cash? What class, man? Who, who teaches that? Fucking. Just go away, you know? Just stop bugging me. Just stop asking me. Stop kicking my fucking bed. Stop, you know, ooh. I'll get you to fuck, just don't fuck my karma, dude. Don't fuck it up. <sighs>
5: So the Burning Man party, or end of the world party, I guess, was my first night on set. One of my first um, experiences being in my extra role, being in the background, just kind of lurking and watching James. And I guess, you know, this was the first first day so we put we um, the hair woman like braided my hair and they had me in some like pretty geeky clothes (laughs) and I felt really different it was really hard not to feel like kind of overlooked and just what the part should be and I think right away I kind of adopted different mannerisms just kind of like I didn't even really realize it, but keeping my arms more crossed over my chest, maybe, and like I was always like touching my hair, just feeling more insecure, which actually kind of worked because I was kind of insecure too. I mean, it was my first experience being on um, a set of a real movie and having like cameras rolling and having a, a position, a place I had to be in, and. It's something I had had to do once the camera started going, and I still didn't know how I was gonna do with this whole thing, and it was my first day. So, um, this was a pretty exciting day. Took a lot of photos. My boyfriend came with me on the set and we took a lot of photos of the day, so we have it saved, and it was really exciting. The atmosphere of, like, making a movie is just so incredible. I think that's one of the most appealing parts is just the making of it, the whole process. It wasn't too hard, though, because I thought I was, like, way further in the background than I actually ended up being. I was just assuming that it'd be really, really hard to spot me until you'd seen the movie probably three or four times. And I'm glad I thought that way, because if I had known I was more up close, it might have made me a little more nervous. Every time I watch this, I like wait, and then I'm like, there's me. It's kinda of weird because um it's kind of strange how normal it is, I guess, to see myself in a movie and in a scene. And how abnormal that seems like it should be, you know. But it's really, a lot of people ask me, they're like, how does it feel to see yourself, you know, so big, up on, like up on a big screen with your head 40 feet tall or whatever? And it's like so normal to me. I don't, it's very, <laughs> it seems like it should be a much bigger deal than it ever has been to me.
2: I don't know. you Totally
5: by It was really interesting to watch the whole acting process. James and he had a couple scenes that night, so I watched him interact with a couple different people. Just the stopping and starting and and seeing who takes chances and changes things each take and who kind of stays more rigid and does, has a a set way that they want to do it. And uh, I'd never really seen that process before. And that was really, really interesting. That first night I remember just being, like my eyes were like so wide open. There was so much to take in and so many new experiences. It was really, really cool.
0: Possibly go out this early in the morning. out class. It's Saturday. Oh, that was a good dress on Jessica. That never got showed, really. Oh, this is a, I laughed so hard when I first saw this part. The roommate. <laughs> he's so skinny. And he's just fun. Who is that guy? I never, I don't even know who he is. I never met him or anything. Just like. Good in this little bit. <laughs> I love that too about this movie. The casting is just like even the smallest, smallest part, everybody was so good. When we rise,
3: that's the time. That's the time. That's the
0: time. the Running up those stairs was kind of <laughs> A nightmare for me that day. <laughs> Whenever right before I would walk down a hall or anything before they would start filming filming, Roger would just be like, Okay Shannon, just go do what you do. Just go walk. Just walk your walk. <laughs> it always made me giggle.
3: I get
0: when I see her. This is uh, the third day of filming, but I think James and my first day doing all this stuff, it was in Redlands, and uh, it was our first day of work. So we were kind of just walking down those halls Oh no, this is like the third day actually, what am I thinking? It was one of those first days. Everything kind of got, um, not decided, but we kind of all felt like the, that the path had been, we'd gotten an idea of where we were headed or where we could go when we got like some of this stuff over with. especially this, this you know the end of the split-screen scene when Sean and Lauren are talking we I think we've all felt really inspired and like you know because it was the first interaction with two characters and really is amazing oh gosh me walking down that hall that's a whole nightmare story We had to do that, believe it or not, we actually had to do that take like four or five times. Hi. Hey,
2: are you here for that class?
0: Yeah, the uh, tutorial on the postmodern condition. Yeah. And it was canceled. (laughs) Typical. Never seen you there before.
2: It's so typical. It's the first I ever bothered to show up for it.
0: We're supposed to be really stoned in this scene. I'm sure you guys caught that, but <laughs> this was very, very, very um, yeah, me too. weird to film. This was hard because um, the, technically on the end of the people that were trying to you know, line everything <laughs> up to get this shot to work, they only had so many times that they could do it. And for us, it was hard um, because it was was hard because I had you had to hit a certain mark, and you knew that there wasn't going to be any editing, so you had to, from the beginning to the end, you had to, um, you know, feel like you were on and you were there and present and in the moment, which, you know, you're supposed to do anyways, but. um, That was second. And then the third part that was super hard was that I was looking inside of the camera and not James. So you're not interacting with a human being's eyes. You're reacting and interacting with the camera lens, which is really your face that you can see inside of it. You can see your reflection. So that's a, that was a little bit weird. But it was beautiful in the end. It turned out just really beautiful. This was really hard, <laughs> but it was a good kind of hard, you know. It was a challenge. Working with James was really, really amazing. Every time I had a scene with James, it was um, I was excited because he was just so um, he just was so he just was so shocking and surprising everything he did not not even that he, he was all that but it was more like he was just so on he was just so he was so sean bateman when he was sean bateman <laughs> and he and it was just impressive to watch and he was um so giving too he was um he wanted every everybody else to do the best that they could and he always you know just kind of pushed me when he knew I wasn't there.
3: Typical. I just knew something like this was gonna that's happen. That's Joel. I just had a feeling that there would be some obstacle major or
0: major. Mm-hmm. Joel. Joely. He's a little brat, a cute brat. That's way He's so precious. Look at how he's standing. Can't you just tell how precious he is? be there with our
3: security.
0: OK, that's the last time I'll say precious.
3: Oh, a, at seven,
0: you were oh see I think that that's so beautiful looking. Here's Jay again.
2: What did he take? I Oh, Harry, <laughs> oh gonna get a death
0: of oh. I only got to talk to him like maybe job 2 job. or 3 days of the whole shoot jay's the one on the right with the yellow the one overdosing but i just thought i had like a little crush on him but he's really he was really young i don't know how old he is now probably just a year older than he was before but um yeah i thought he was adorable
2: he's not
0: ODing. look at how cute he is when he ods <laughs>
2: oh shit throwing up. Open the window Open the fucking window not growing up then what do you call that sound huh high jeans breathe with a lot of air in
0: maybe we should be inducing when we weren't shooting in the redlands which was just really amazing cuz that was our first week um, or los angeles we were shooting in downey <laughs> and we were shooting in downey a lot um we sh- were shooting in an old Shut down building that everyone was saying was a mental hospital, but I don't really think it was. It was like a hospital for people after they, you know, that couldn't really function. Maybe after they'd gotten out of the war or something, something like that. Whatever. No one really knew the answers, the truth. But um. Oh my
3: god! We
1: get him into the emergency room. Oh my god!
3: I'm on my break.
2: Is there anybody
1: else around here, please? Hello. Please, this is Harry. Please take care of Harry. Please, you've got to take care of him.
2: Please. Move. 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 Sir, Start getting to your manager, please? We just get him help. This is name's Harry.
4: Please What's help him. Name? Harry. 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 I'm
6: Harry. not getting any pulse.
2: This is a joke. <laughs> I can see him moving. He's not dead. See him breathing.
3: He's dead, Paul. Shut up! Oh god.
2: And how did this happen
6: exactly?
3: Oh God. Oh God, oh God. God. Shut Shut up. up. He's not dead.
6: He hasn't got a pulse. There's no heartbeat. His pupils are fixed and dilated. Harry, please come back. Sorry, there's uh, there's nothing more (laughs) I can do here.
2: You have to do something. I've seen his honey ER. art. Please fix him. Harry's
6: gone bye bye. Harry's gone to the big bye-bye. He's got his name in the papers on the back side. It's toe tag time in Teenville tonight. Again.
3: What? What? <laughs> you should have just said no, Harry. I'm not dead, Harry. I. Ah. Yes, you are. Shut
6: up. Actually, you don't have a pulse, I think you did. If you let me run a few tests, How I can probably you know, prove that Harry is
2: dead. You don't
6: you are no, you know what you you no, you're talking about. So, so,
0: you like this? You room. test on Harry, I, no. I'm sure I can prove he's dead. <laughs> That's my favorite, the doctor, right here.
3: you bring back your friend's for me to do some tests.
0: <laughs> uh, okay, here's Jessica and her. Flawless body we all everybody on set just couldn't get over it. We just didn't believe that it was a real body (laughs) It was too good. Oh And that book on my lap was as disgusting as you probably thought it was when you saw the movie Um, Yeah, it was just that bad except you got to look at it longer if you were me because it was on my lap Bulimic skinny or anorexic skinny? What's the difference? There's me smoking again. Except your teeth rot, but my teeth aren't rotting, so. So you look bulimic skinny? Lauren, I'm telling you, it's amazing the kind of weight you lose when you get off the pedal. Yeah, until the 50 pounds you gain when you get knocked up. Okay, we'll do the math. If it is not here. All my scenes with Jessica were funny, because um, it just felt like when I was within the moment, they were just, Lauren, the way I was playing Lauren, it was just naturally... Abstinence is 100 <laughs> Just kind of blasé and always kind of irritated. Not irritated with Lara, but just like kinda of rolling my eyes at her. Which is fitting cause she's ridiculous, but it's not anything like I that I wanted to do. This party scene actually
5: I'm really not noticeable in the background and my friends all when they watched the movie they they saw me right away except for this scene, I had to point it out. And it's kind of a bummer to me because I actually, I felt like I had more acting I had to do in this scene because I was standing there talking to this guy, this chubby kid who I felt like I probably would be talking to but really trying to, not really paying that much attention to. Because of my eyes oh there i am i've never seen that before that's crazy anyway i just did more acting in this scene and i had a lot of fun with it because james eventually walks away from the keg with paul and he comes back and he he walks by me the scene ends really before you get to see anything that happens and the shot is really far away but just the way i remember acting and how i would notice him coming and just how my posture and my feelings would change and and uh i just remember it feeling really real but it is very faint i'm in the background right there That outfit was rather disgusting, if you don't mind my saying. (laughs) But that's the point. So you can see me looking at him. See, that's good, good acting. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I remember this night. And um, I probably shouldn't say this, but Shannon was very, um, for some reason, had just accidentally had a little bit too much to drink that day. And it was her birthday, that's right. And I just remember her realizing that she had to come and do the scene. And she was like, oh, shit. How am I going to do this? And she like realized that she had to get it together. So she was like, fuck. And she went, laid down in her trailer and took a nap. And I just was like, how is she going to pull this off? Because personally, I would not be able to do that. I would never be able to drink and work. I wouldn't even attempt to have a drink on, on the set because it would just mess up my acting. But this is one of my favorite scenes with her. Her acting is so funny and so good. I remember watching on the monitor, and I was just like, yeah, Shannon did it. That's awesome.
2: Miss Lauren Hint. Why weren't you at my tutorial?
5: It's really good. This expression, right? That one. (laughs) Would you
2: like a drink?
0: Okay, this um, was also in Redlands and uh, in the first, you know, week of filming and um, this was just hilarious to do because, um, well, Eric was just so funny but we I never knew what was going to happen right when I sat on that couch. <laughs> we just were like, you know. I just knew that as long as, you know, we both just kind of, just let whatever happened happen. It would it'd be funny, and it wasn't like any big dramatic stuff happened. It was all very small and subtle, but it was so funny <laughs> because we still had to stay, you know, with the script and the what needed to be said, and it had to end how it had to end. But just <laughs> just getting there was always funny. It was just it, it it was truly that awkward. What you're seeing, it was just like was that awkward for me, and I think it was that fun for him. <laughs> I was just so... I had no clue. Do
4: you want to turn on? No, thanks. Well...
0: I kept wanting to take a drag of that, and Ron just like, no, Shannon, you don't want any of the joint. Don't mind if I do. But really, it was just tobacco, and I just wanted to smoke. So we're going to do it here on the couch. Do (laughs) what? That was so funny, him feeling me up in between two shirts. He doesn't, like, feel my stomach. He goes in between two shirts. I'm,
4: I'm a married man.
0: But aren't you
2: hitting on me? Oh, well, for a Hummer, sure. Heard your talented end. And it certainly can't hurt your GPA. So shall we.
0: Okay. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I was just down there just doing my thing. He's <laughs> laughing at me because I'm. It's funny to try to like fake. You're not even on camera, but to like. You know that like maybe your back will show or something and you want it to be realistic, but to fake doing something even though no one's saying you fake to doing it, that's funny. No,
2: <sighs> no. why?
4: <laughs> well, I, I
2: don't know, I just since you spent the summer in Berlin, I thought maybe you Well, no. Berlin New Hampshire.
3: Oh. Uh,
2: I need to get some more pot. I'm running out. I need to get laid. Why the fuck was Lauren tonight? That Laura girl was kinda hot. I could bang her into a bit about it. I'd rather have Lauren. I wonder why. It'll just ruin my illusion of her innocence. Purity. Whoa. Really what I want. I need to fuck someone. <laughs> then I need to get more pot. I watched him with growing intensity as he refilled the pipe in the dark and smoky den of the room. He delicately fingered what looked like dry moss to me, and it struck me then that I liked Sean because he looked well slutty. Boy who'd been around, boy who couldn't remember if he was Catholic or not.
5: this part was kind of just a stroke of luck and me being the right way at the right place at the right time because when I met Roger he was at Shannon's house and um, they were having like their first meeting I think I guess Shannon suggested to him that she knew somebody that would play the part of they could play the part of food service girl and of course I'm sure directors get this all the time and they're like oh, yeah okay and it puts them in a tough situation because what if it's not you know what they want but I remember coming out to go to the bathroom coming out of my room and Shannon was like Teresa come over here me I want you to meet somebody and I came over there, and um, she introduced me to Roger. Yeah. And at that time, I was fairly new to, to, to L.A. and living at Shannon's house. No, and I, here alone. I was living there with my boyfriend, so I was Come kind of comfortable with my boyfriend. But even that was new.
4: Whatever.
5: But for the yeah. most part, I was more reserved and just kind of uncomfortable, and I think and I had my hair in these two braids, and I think all of that kind of gave an impression to Roger that I was had the type of vibe that could play that part.
2: I shouldn't be leaving. He's gonna sleep with someone
5: else. I mean, that's pretty brave on Roger's part too, because, I mean, he has no idea if I can even I act, and I'm gonna be acting and playing this part that's pretty challenging. I mean, it seems pretty challenging. You know, one long scene where you're committing suicide and it's just you and you have to go through that experience, which is not a common and easily identifiable experience at all. So I thought that was amazing. After Roger left, Shannon came and into my room and said that uh, they wanted me to play the part, that part. I mean, it was really unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. And then after that, I didn't hear anything really until it was getting pretty close to the time to actually like shoot it. And that was like two months, three months later. So it really was just like Roger going, OK, yeah, let's do it, and then having it be set. I mean, I don't even think he looked for anybody else, or that's just crazy to me. And I'm really, really thankful for the opportunity and Tonight's glad I gave, the night. The night. I could give Tonight's something night. to this Tonight's movie. The night. Tonight's
0: the night. Um, <sighs> so. I think she did that, that because um I don't if I remember correctly. I think we were, I don't know why, but I think I was singing or we were both, it was, that song was in our heads, and Roger heard us doing it and he said, why don't you do that, Jessica, when you come up, but, chicka, chicka, chicka. <laughs> but she was having like a hard time getting the, the the exact right amounts of chicka chicka, and it was funny because I don't know, it was just funny to me. It's a clinical disorder which causes you to hear what you see and see what you hear. It's, it's a completely uncontrolled combination of your senses. You should really get that checked out. You know, Prozac might help. What? <sighs> <sighs> <Ooh. laughs> Rusty pipes. She's so good in that. <laughs> <song. She's laughs> good
4: in that Skyrockets in flight.
2: Afternoon delight. Hello. No. Can I talk to Sean Bateman? I think he lives upstairs. Yeah. Sean. Who is this Patrick? Patrick, who the hell's Patrick? No, it's Paul. Paul? yeah remember me no it's better be good (laughs) i was just wondering what was going on who is patrick it's none of your business what do you want will you sleep no of course not well what are you doing it's none of your fucking business i'm just getting ready to go to this party with who with patrick no
0: (laughs) (laughs) the deleted scenes um There was a few deleted scenes in this movie. There was um, a whole scene that was in the beginning of the movie that was set in a cafeteria and it was after all the credits and stuff. And it was basically, I think, set up to introduce all the supporting characters and kind of just show how, you know, how we act with our friends, how Lauren and Paul and Sean act with uh, their friends. So it, it would cut from each table Lauren's table, Deshawn's table, to what the hell? Paul's table, and yeah. all the supporting characters you see in the movie were pretty much in that scene. So it was kind of a bummer, because when it had to get cut out, it was um, <laughs> their, you know, other big scene, because it... So they weren't... They were one scene oh, yeah. less or whatever. Oh, boy, oh. This is, uh... This is funny. I just want to watch this for a second.
2: Of course. Hello, Mrs. Jared.
6: I leave you alone for five minutes and you're drinking.
3: Drunk. (laughs) I'm drunk.
6: Well, (laughs) then take a shower and sober (sighs) (sighs)
3: up.
6: Oh, my tortures never end. How are you, Paul? Fine. Fine. Would you talk to him? He'll listen to you. Come on, Myra.
4: I'll see you both downstairs in 15 minutes.
2: Mm Hmm? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You wanna take a shower with me?
0: When they were casting the movie, after I had been cast in the movie, I I remember going on an audition like a week later or something, and I remember the audition just (laughs) going horribly because I'm really bad at auditions.
3: Doesn't matter. No. Well, I guess it would be nice if I could touch your body. I know not
4: everybody has got a body like you. Um, but I gotta think twice before oh, I've given my heart away. And I know all the games you play because I play them too. You surprised me. What is this? So,
2: when she showed up.
0: Yeah, so I had gone on this audition, and it was crappy. And I was just horrible, because I'm horrible at all of my auditions. And so I was just kind of bummed about it. And I was thinking in my head, you know what? I got to know what it's like on the other side. I just have to, because this is the most uncomfortable thing I, I have to do in, in my life. And I just don't like it. And um, so I asked Roger, and I already got in the movie and we hadn't started filming yet. I asked him if I could sit in on the casting while he was casting some of the smaller parts, and he let me And It was really amazing. I don't know what I learned, really. I don't know what I could say that I learned, but I I just know that it was amazing, and it was was just nice to observe, and no one really knew who I was at that point. No, No one really still knows who I am, but so it looked like when the kids would come in, it's not like it was intimidating or anything. They just thought... I was a producer or, like, the camera girl. (laughs) You know, I just had, like, my hat on and a sweatshirt. It wasn't, like, a big deal. But I was there for Russell Sam's audition, and he was just... I remember, like, this whole dinner table scene, he did, like, a smaller variation of that in his audition, and it was just... When he left the room, we were all just kind of like, Okay. (laughs) It was just so odd. And Roger... Roger likes Odd, I guess, so he just went for it, and it's just so great. It's funny. He's so great in this. is not Richard.
5: Well, then what is it? Dick. What?
3: Dick. You heard me. Dick.
6: No! Your name is Richard.
3: Sorry, it's
5: Dick.
0: Oh, this is good.
5: Well, then, dick. how is school?
0: It sucks. Girl. I bet it was so fun to do this scene. I was um there for Ian's audition as well. And what classes are you taking? Well, I learned that it's not as big of a deal to, to um, to the people on the other side as it is to you, like if you just relax like you go in the room and you think that, the, that like the people are just being so judgmental and, you know, your senses are so like heightened and exaggerated and really like the people in the room, like the director and the casting director, they've done this, um you know, 1800 times that day, which can sound kind of bad, but it's kind of nice because it just makes you realize that like they're, they really are relaxed and they, really do want you to come in there and be good and they're not you know it just feels like it's oh it would i don't know it just always felt more like they were just a lot more it's dick all right leave the table like you were the only one that day and everything you did yeah i don't know they just suck
4: <laughs> no, 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 no i will not
3: leave the table no oh leave the table Well, fuck you, and fuck you, and fuck you, pretty boy, and fuck you all very much. Oh, I'm out of here. Have a good one. (laughs)
2: Mm.
6: Oh, everything's fine now. No, really, I'm, I'm really terribly
2: sorry. Are you sure of it? Oh, positive. Yes.
6: My son isn't well.
2: Yeah.
6: Well, he's well, not well. He's under, oh, been under a lot of stress. You oh, know, midterms the starting uh, and everything. Yes, of course. I would like another vodka. Collins. Eve, would you like anything? Yes. Uh, uh well, I mean, no.
4: <laughs> no. Okay. Oh, <go> <laughs> well.
2: Get her another one.
7: Please.
4: Thank you, Paul. Sure, Mom. Mm. You know, I
2: think my next car is going to be blue. Mm. Blue, don't you think? Very dark blue. What do you think, Paul? Blue.
5: You know what I was just saying about not, I couldn't possibly drink and act. I I mean, that's really not me, but for some reason this day, I did have, I think like I had a little bit of alcohol, like a beer or something. And it did happen to like loosen me up in a way where it was really, easy to get to that place where I was, I felt really emotional and I was crying. And also the whole vibe of all these naked girls like running around this place and just how superficial it felt really added to my feelings of just kind of being lost and upset and all of that seems kind of funny to explain that there was so much behind this one little fraction of a second that you see. But there really was for me. But I also feel like I would never, I don't know, after a couple of takes I was really tapped out. And I think that's another effect that alcohol has may open you up for a second but then it really like kind of just makes you stuck I love that picture that picture we had it up at our house for a little while and it haunted me so badly there was a day where I don't know what it was it was probably like just because of September 11th and like all these other things that were happening that winter, that in my personal life and in people around people, people's lives around me, I was. It, it felt like this really dark winter, and one day I was looking at that photo and I was like, "This is a, this photo is prophetic. <laughs> I'm actually really going to die, <laughs> and I'm gonna be the girl that lived at Shannon's house that was in the movie and." was their friend and and they'll come to my funeral and be like, that sweet girl, Teresa, la, 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 like, some horrible, horrible thought. And it really scared me for real. Like, I really, I went to Shannon and I was like, crying almost, explaining to her that I was freaking out. And, Now that I think about it, that's kind of crazy. <laughs> but I really felt it. <laughs> I was really, really scared. The whole, mo- like, doing that scene really um, had a powerful effect on me that I didn't even, like, couldn't even fathom would happen. I mean, you, th- you, you would think that something, you know, you would be obviously going through something that would be emotional and trying. But really, once, after it happened, I mean, it was nothing that I could have imagined. It's just so deep in you. And it just, it's, it's like this strange thing happening to you where you're just freaking out. And you're, you're like, you don't know why you feel so weird and you don't know why you feel so unsettled. There really is no rational explanation, but your body is like taken over by it for like two days after we did this scene, I felt that way. And I remember talking to Shannon about that too. And her telling me that she had spent the day after we shot this whole, my scene and her scene with me, that she was just like stuck in bed and that she had talked to Roger and he was going through similar experiences. I just think this scene is done so well. Just how like pristine and quiet it is. And the moment that you see the water come on, it's just that in itself, how it's miked and, and the visuals, it's just, it sets it up perfectly. It's so thick and it's so intense. it was hard for me to watch this scene and see it as good acting though after I had done it because every step of the way I could see how I could do maybe like five things per every nuance of emotion or expression that I had made that would make it more realistic and It was, it wasn't believable to me. And I was basically going off of response from other people. But I remember in the moment being very like, feeling it pretty strongly. That was a weird day, I just, it's like, Doing something like this, you can't really like think about it too much before you do it. It's just, you know what you have to do and you you put that in your head and then you set it in the back and then you just kind of wait. And you just wait for the moment when you have to and you just try to like go about everything in the most normal way possible. And then when you have to do it, you just can step up to the plate and do it. I mean, that was my experience with this. I imagined myself going through it a few different times during the day, but never acted it out completely. I felt like kind of like, you know how gymnasts, before they go and do their flip off the the vault or whatever, they'll go through it in their head. You can see their heads like moving kind of as they watch themselves in their head flip around. And, I mean, that's as far as I took it, you know, just kind of trying to feel, feel what I would feel. Ew, I was in that nasty water for so long. It was disgusting. I was really surprised at how, um, how great the wardrobe people were with keeping me protected and I mean at first they were trying to figure out all these ways to have my breasts covered and first we started off with some kind of like nude bra and then that slowly we realized that wasn't going to work at all and then it was like okay well why don't we put stickies over your nipples and that just felt really weird. <laughs> that felt weirder than being naked. <laughs> Obviously, it was pretty necessary to have nothing on, because that overhead shot, I mean, if there was anything on, it would be like, it wouldn't work. I, at first, I was kind of uncomfortable with it. But after the first take, I just didn't even care at all anymore. I had so much adrenaline and I was just didn't want to be distracted at all about by by what I had to do (laughs) that I didn't even care and I didn't even care anyway I mean it wasn't even about not being distracted you know I just didn't even care anymore it was it was weird they were like coming in holding towels, trying to protect me, and I was like, Get out of my way! Get out of my way! I need Dr. Roger. I remember Roger coming in, and just the expression on his face was so exhilarating for me. I mean, because I felt like that was a moment of truth for me. Could I do it or could I not? And then he comes in, and he seems so excited, and I feel like I've gone through something that could be really, really good and come across as really realistic, and it was just such an amazing, like, bonding moment. It felt like we were in exactly the same place. That's probably what's so addicting about making movies, is that these people that you don't really know, you become so close to in a matter of seconds and then after that it's like you won't talk to them for like five months or something and you're still that close just because you've gone through total vulnerability and fear and the unknown and what's going to happen and then when it comes to fruition and it's like this beautiful flower it's like everyone's so ecstatic it's it's an amazing amazing thing and i felt that with shannon that day too because she really had to open up and get to a vulnerable place as well. And I remember afterwards, it was like we were both so clean. I felt like I had been so cleaned out. And like my eyes were like sparkling. And I, f- and I looked at her and I felt like her eyes were sparkling. And it was like just a pure connection. And that really doesn't happen very often at all. And it was awesome. It was
0: really like an amazing moment for me. In that picture actually that, that is above my bed when Sean's having sex with Lara and he zooms in on it with his eyes and he's on mushrooms, that picture is also, uh, the, the food service girl's in that picture, Teresa's in the picture. That's just a little something that I don't know if people catch or not. And even if they do see it, I don't know what they might think. But it makes sense to me. And also that scene in the... When I find uh, Teresa in the bathtub, it was all improv, so... We just kind of had the DP in there. And every single take... Just something different happened, and he just kind of let me go. And it, by the end, th- I think it was the last take. Roger, <laughs> he was like, "What do you What do you think you want to do now?" Because each take had been different. and Each take had been like, you know, obviously like just high energy and emotional and whatnot. And I was going. I thought I was going crazy. <laughs> But um, finally, it was just kind of like, he looked at me and and he was like, pull her out of the tub. And I I just looked at him and I didn't even question it and it just felt felt so right. And it's so funny, it was just, I needed to do something like that, something where there was like, I needed something that big to happen in in the bathroom because it was just feeling so, there's so much tension and just something like that needed to happen. So it was so perfect it was weird pulling her out of the tub there's probably so much footage from that damn bathroom <laughs> that Roger has hidden away somewhere cuz we did so many i think we did a, a lot of takes and and it, and it was just different all the time and just It'd be so interesting to watch all of it later. And this is Sean being a complete dork.
2: now and order your bottle of Longitude by having your credit card ready and calling 1-800-518-3492. That's 1-800-518-3492. Imagine the look on her face if you were much larger. Call now, 1-800-518-3492, or visit them online at longitudecapsules.com. Typical.
0: for music. I remember when I read this scene. It was a great scene. I thought it was funny. Was Sean doing the... Just being pathetic. I could be right. Could be wrong. I
3: could be wrong, I could be
5: right. I could
0: be back i Don't really know what I was doing here. <laughs> I don't, I'm not happy with this at all. I was, it was so hard for me to, that was, I was just, I mean, I, I can't even watch the scene. I, I totally like, not cause I don't like the scene, but just, you know, I'm just being critical right now, but um, I can if it wasn't for that, like some sort of a nice, reaction in the end, it would have just been horrible, because I could not react to the blood. I was just like, it's fake. (laughs) I'm not scared. I didn't know what to do. It was just so frustrating. My mom was on set that day, too, I think, and I was like, God, I suck.
1: Hello, my name is Kip Hardu. I am one of the actors that was lucky enough to
7: be a part of Roger Avery's The Rules of Attraction. So now I've conned Roger into talking about the European trip. Yeah, this is probably the only bit of an audio commentary that I'll do. I, uh, I approached Kip and I asked him at a certain point to, to play Victor, and I told him that I had to have full and complete access to everything that happened, that I wanted him to step onto the plane as as Victor and then get off the plane as Victor. Did I just call you Victor? I think you did. Okay, sorry yeah. about that. <laughs> Actually, it started in the, in the uh, car to the airport,
1: Yeah. and uh, when we landed, I, I, I'm not a very big drinker <laughs> and I got shoved the biggest Bloody Mary that I've ever had in my entire life
7: and then next thing you know we ended up at this at this club which really was gay night yeah and I had to sneak a small camera in I was using a <laughs> PD-150 as well as a PC-100 and I used the PC-100 that I smuggled into that club and uh, you know he had met this um, amazingly beautiful girl and took her back to the apartment, and I was literally standing on the bed, straddling, looking down at them as Kip, you know, took her shoes off and sucked her toes and and whatnot, and I suddenly realized, wow, this is actually working, and I kind of became invisible. Roger really did disappear into the background, and he not only disappeared for me, he disappeared for so
1: many of the people that we met. It was kind of, it was kind of great. You would initially we would meet these people and they would say, who is that guy following me the camera? And that would be it. They, no one would ever comment on Roger again. And uh, it was really kind of a testament to Roger. When we started getting the feedback from the United States about some of these tapes, it was, wow, how beautiful is Roger's camera work? And he just, he had a way of, of knowing where to be. and And he also had a way of pulling things out of me that were so subtle and subtly great. And one of the first things he asked me to do was to keep a journal online. And he gave me carte blanche and he said, we do whatever you want to do, and we did that. We actually kept a journal, which is still up on Roger's website. And you wrote it in the style of Brady Cinellis. I, yeah, I tried, to, I tried to do what Brett does, and I, it was it meant as a compliment,
7: yeah, Brett. So that the people on my website could frequent uh, our journeys as we were doing them, which was interesting. And, and also, within the first couple of days, Roger
1: was approached to, to give an interview for the London newspaper called The Guardian, and
7: he agreed to give the interview as long as they would interview Victor, and... Yeah, I said, Kip's not here, but you can interview Victor. And so they did, and the guy kind of understood what was happening, and I literally videotaped the entire interview, and amazingly, you kept in character. That was the real... That was the hardest part of the trip, actually.
1: When, when we finished that trip, I, I we, both of us, Roger and I both passed out on the bed and just went, Oh, gosh, man. Being Victor is really hard, and, and he said watching Victor is really funny, but it's also you know it's very difficult. Roger had I have a, a digital camera picture that I'll email to Roger of a picture of a bruise that he has from filming me and not paying attention to where he was walking, and he actually bumped into something in the Barcelona airport, and it created the biggest bruise on him. And it was just it was kind of a, a a really
7: strenuous two weeks. It's an incredibly difficult and fantastic experience as a filmmaker too not know what your script is because you're just following whatever's coming ahead and constantly attempting to set up the shots and thinking ahead what the next shot will be as you're shooting the shot that you're doing and never knowing when a character is gonna pop into frame. And what would happen is, you know, Kip would, you know, see a girl and walk over to her and start talking to her and I would run up or I'd be following him and we'd start shooting and after a while she'd look at me and go, God, your friend's like the ultimate tourist. And then once we had kind of gotten a little bit of footage, Greg Shapiro would move in and get releases signed. And I remember we were at the this one Ford model party in uh, in Paris and it's like I'm shooting and shooting and I'm sweating like a pig because, you know, it's, it's hard to hold a camera up eight hours a day, nine hours a day, sometimes 12 hours a day and more and constantly shooting with your, you know, turning the button on with your thumb and everything and it gets really, really, really exhausting and I remember the guy from Simply Red looking at me <laughs> and going, fucking paparazzi and I was like might <laughs> possibly possibly my favorite
1: moment. We met a lot of quite, kind of a lot of famous people on that trip. Yeah, we, there was the girl from the Go Go's. Yeah. No, no, she wasn't the Go Go's. Uh, Bananarama. Bananarama. I'm sorry. Yeah. Wow, she was stunning. And then and then simply Red Guy and and Paul Oakenfold, of course. Yeah, there were like a and then, a string then that string of celebrities. The, the Amsterdam, the Dutch television star. Yeah, yeah. There she, were. She fed me
7: absinthe. Yeah. <laughs> and not to mention the many 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 models that. You know it, Good point. <laughs> Good point. They've they're all they've all just become blurred. Yeah. <laughs> you know Saskia called me the other day. <laughs> I yeah, you that? Saskia who was this one model in in, uh, in Paris that we'd bumped into who uh, was reading Glamorama <laughs> as we were as we started shooting her and incorporating her into the movie and she completely started freaking out because she became part of the movie and kind of was kind of was getting it and she was acting but not really acting and then after a while she became confused and she was like wait a minute who are you and then she kept calling us back you know like days later when we were in another country on the cell phone and she would call up and say I I'm, I'm starting I'm, I'm you know, like confused it's like she didn't know what was real or what was not real I, I still don't think she she knows. When we first were talking to her,
1: I was going on, you know, saying something really intelligent, as I normally did. And she said, I'm reading this book. And as I'm reading this book, I'm just ripping out the pages of the book, every page, because it's so it's so awful. And it's funny and it's brilliant. And it's my friends in New York. And it's so great. And I said, "What?" I tapped Roger on the leg under the table. And I said, because I knew, of course, I said, I said, what book are you reading?" And she said. It's called uh, Glamorama. You're gonna make fun of me. It's called Glamorama. I, I freaked out, and I said, "What's my name?" And she said, "Victor." And I said, "What's the main guy in the book's name?" And she said, "Victor." And I said, "Yeah, that's that's me." And she said, that, "She said that book is written about you." And I said, "Yeah, the author's a friend of mine, and it was just he was kind of documenting my life, and it was, you know." And she was only on page 120, which is still the the kind of Normal part of the
7: book, so she hadn't gotten to the to the wild explosions yet. Well, I'm sure that yet. by the time we left, by the time we had left her and come back to, uh, I mean, she call, She would call us. I'm sure that she had gotten to all the stuff where suddenly Victor's being followed by a camera crew, and so you know she was kind of it was being revealed to her as she was uh, running through the experience herself. It was a very very intense time. It, it was it was very, very intense, and and will never be duplicated in the history of anything. There there was that one moment in Amsterdam that you mentioned where uh, you were talking to that blonde girl. And I had the camera and I was getting a shot uh, close to your POV where I was right up against your face. And I was looking through the camera so much at that point and we were shooting her and she was looking at you but for a very brief moment, and she was so amazing and alluring and beautiful, for a very brief moment, I became lost in the camera. And I thought she was looking at me. And um, I st- Greg started, Greg Shapiro, the producer, started telling me that I was taking on Victor characteristics and that not only did he have to, like, follow Victor around, but he had to follow Roger as Victor around, and, you know, Europe. And, and it was very frustrating, I think, for Greg, very difficult experience for him.
1: It was interesting to watch Roger go from being very humble and very quiet, to this kind of rambunction. Mean, he definitely took on the attributes of, of Victor. And we would walk into a hotel, and Roger would jump up, as opposed to he had stopped following Victor for a moment and said, I'm here, there's a room for Avery, and it would just Greg and I would look at at Roger and think, who the hell is this guy? I mean, he's he's so
7: used to watching me be an asshole that now he's turned into an asshole himself. Yeah, I remember getting into that (laughs) cab in Paris and saying, je suis un international film celebrity. (laughs) Je suis un... vite, 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 je suis un international film celebrity.
1: (laughs) And sure enough, we made it to the airport in time, thanks to Roger
7: uh, letting the cab driver know that he is a a film celebrity. That was... um, Possibly one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life and one of the most gratifying things I've ever done in my life And I'm not sure I would ever want to do it again Because I don't know that it can be repeated and I literally felt like everything was that everything we were doing was amazingly Charmed and that everything was just unfolding um, You know in front of us, you know, we would bump into people and it was literally like having complete and total access It was it worked almost much better than I ever imagined that it would. And that's why when we got home and I realized we have 70 hours of digital video footage and with full scene, full and complete scenes, I knew I have to cut this together into its own feature. I mean, I had as much video shot as we had, you know, actual film shot on the film. And it was all intensely interesting. And, and you can't show it all in, the, in that quick four minutes that we actually showed it in the movie. So I began cutting it together as as glitterati which i felt would be a transitional film to glamorama which came to us because you know Kip who had been um, attached to glamorama um, had been tracking the project and we actually bought the rights i believe while on a train to paris i think it was or I think maybe we're on a train was, to bern switzerland actually that's what it was we were on our way to bern switzerland and i remember greg you know on his cell phone to the united states you know doing the deal and everything and it was it was a really surreal moment in my life because it was the middle of the night and in Switzerland,
1: it was the middle of the night, so it was work time in L.A., and Greg was on the on the phone, and Roger and I, Greg had been sleeping, and while Greg was sleeping, Roger and I were so excited about the project that we were actually sitting across, we were the only people on this train, we were sitting across from each other, reading Glamorama out loud to each other, and Roger would take the book from me and underline passages and, and realize what Brett had accomplished with this book, and... Uh, I was so intimate with the project and and hopefully my excitement was catching on to Roger's and then Greg actually took the phone into the bathroom of the train and came back out and he said, we've got it, we've got the rights to it and I think at that moment the three of us kind of realized that this is something, serendipitous is happening here, I mean there there are too many things that are going right and Roger says that he he doesn't want to go back and do the European trip like that anymore and I don't think it could ever be duplicated And, and as hard as it was for me to be Victor like that. I can't wait to be Victor in a more traditional setting, and, and hopefully it will come to fruition someday, where we can actually make a a normal and I put that in quotes normal movie with Victor, and we will, we'll be able to go back to those places, but we won't have to do it with such no I would I would, I would not actually
7: do. repeat the um, the experience the way we did. It's funny, I originally, um, when I read the book Rules of Attraction, and I got to the Victor chapter in it where he describes his European trip, I was stunned because it was my European trip. I had almost done an identical trip like that when I had just gotten out of college. And it was not the exact same events, but it was so very similar in every way in, in the tone. And that's how journals are kept when you're traveling across Europe. And I realized, my God, I have to be able to capture this, and the only way to do it would be to really attempt a real-life simulation of one of those trips. And, you know, digital video actually made that possible. I'm not a big fan of digital video as a cinematic tool, but clearly it's like oils and watercolors, and they each have their unique purpose. And so it, it was the only way you could ever possibly do what we did.
1: And the trip really... Everything that you saw and everything that I say pretty much happened but the trip became a real crossing over of all three of our trips of of brett's being the first roger's being the second and mine being the third and and it really all all came together and and i think they all just kind of worked together i mean i mean so many brett had his experiences and a lot of it you can read in the book and then roger in the original script of rules of attraction had a lot different things written than what actually happened, and Roger changed the voiceover to match what I did, and that was really kind of fantastic, and he took a lot of elements from everything
7: that you saw and from the journals, and it was kind of an overlapping of all three trips. Yeah, that's true, because I'd incorporated my own diary and my own journal into the original screenplay. (laughs) Just really quickly to change the subject, I got an email the other day from a friend of mine who said, "I I saw
1: Rules of Attraction, I loved the movie, it was really great. What's up with that girl's hair, though? I mean, I'm alternative and everything, but what's up with their hair? I thought it was so funny, and I think Shannon is so beautiful, and uh, I love her hair, actually. (laughs) I think it's really kind of cool.
7: I think she's years ahead of her time.
1: I I think this movie is years ahead of its time, and I think that's kind of why it was funny that someone would would comment on the hair and love the movie so much and and be opposed to someone's hair. And it's, I think people find something in this movie that they both believe in and hate at the same time and i to me that's what makes it special that's what makes brett's Mm -hmm. work so special because you can relate to these people on a lot of levels and then you can hate these people on a lot of levels and that to me is really interesting that's what life is i mean it's a series of of falling in love and then the next week hating that person and maybe not the next week but at some point in your life you, you you love and hate everything and everyone and that's kind of what this movie is about
0: me and james it was a very eerie feeling that night. I remember it was a very beautiful feeling. And um, we we were just so in the in the scene and in the moment. And me and James wouldn't talk during this because we were just like, you know, we'd get ready before they called action because I'd have to walk up the stairs and he'd have to be chasing me like a psycho and whatnot. And um, oh, he was just so exciting to work with, especially in this scene. He really c- kicked my ass because there was a few times when I kind of lost it and I... When I do that, I tend to, like, not, I can't keep going if I lose, like, which is bad. (laughs) But, um, I'm working on it. Anyway, so he would kick my butt and get me back in the moment, Um, even if he was off camera. He did that. He was great. He was amazing. This is just, I don't know, it was just so cool. The feeling, this whole movie just feels exactly, or just felt so so amazing every day that we were there just kind of strange and exciting
1: now victor is home and and lauren is aware of me being home and she's on her way to to meet me and, and actually in the book this was done on the phone and i'm glad that roger made it face to face because it, it gave a uh, a really <laughs> a personal guy. touch to it and uh, a lot of people have been asking me, what's on my mouth when I when I answer the door? And actually, Jessica Beale and I are behind the door here, and Jessica was brushing her teeth, and I asked her to give me a little bit of her sp- of her spit <laughs> from from her brushing her teeth, and that's what was on my face. And obviously, <laughs> sweaty. And, and funny thing, Shannon, actually, we, we did this several times. First of all, she made me take my pants off, so I'm standing there in my underwear. And, and you can't see any of it, but she requested that, and uh, I was kind of into it. And then the first take we did, Shannon actually came up to me and tried to kiss me, and I I knew that I wanted to do it charming, and I knew that I wanted to, to like her, but I didn't kiss her. And uh, I pulled Roger aside after the next take, and I said, man, if Shannon Sassman knocked on my door, I don't care if I know her or not, and she starts making out with me, I'm going to make out with her back. So I did the next take, and that was kind of what we used there, uh, what Roger used and our Sharon used, and it was the most magnetic kiss, and it made this scene really, really, in my opinion, work. It just got the scene up, and it and it caught it caught Shannon by surprise, me kissing her, and uh, and she had this over this kind of overwhelming sense of Whoa, what what's happening now, and, and and afterwards she came up to me and, and said, I really wasn't expecting that. I didn't know. I didn't know how you were going to do that and I and I I had such a different interpretation in my mind and that was really great as an actor to hear that coming from another actor and and she is the same type of actress that I hope hope to be as an actor which is very spontaneous and very fun and she she will do whatever she feels in that moment and uh, and the scene really kind of worked and then as we close the door it's probably my favorite line in the whole movie and Looks and like actually <laughs> Marilyn Manton has a really funny quote <laughs> he he was quoted uh, to, he came up to Greg Shapiro after he watched the movie for the first time, and he said, my favorite part of the movie is when I find when Victor kip closes the door and it says, hey, Victor, the test came back positive, be careful. And
2: I wish you wouldn't tell me, Greg
1: Shapiro said, oh, that's your, that's your favorite part of the movie? Why is that your favorite part? And Manson said, because he used to go out with my ex-girlfriend. Because <laughs> uh, I used to, to date his ex-girlfriend. But anyway, Manson and I have become friends, and uh, he's a big fan of the movie, and uh, as he should be, because it's really brilliant.
2: No one will ever know anyone. You're not
4: ever gonna know me. What the hell does that mean?
2: It means, Paul, you're not ever gonna know me. Figure it out. Deal with it.
0: I love that, how um, Roger had Sean's, you know, repeat what Lauren had said to him because it's just kind of one of those dorky things that people do when they don't really know who they are. They take everything that, take other things that people say that maybe make some sort of sense and then sort of claim it as their own. Just because they don't, they don't know what would come out of their own mouth and they wanna, it was very Sean Bateman thing to do. (laughs) It It was just so right how it was done.
6: Now, this next shot we shot uh, in Downey. It was the middle of summer. Um, and uh, our special effects guy did a great job with the snow. You'll see me and my partner come in the background if you look closely. Roger this day had walking pneumonia. Um, I don't know how he directed us, but he really still directed us. He's just a good director. Uh, I've got this bat, says Rupert, so when you see me come in, it's just something I've had since I was a kid that I uh, you know, grew up beating people with. It's one of the things you keep with you. They evolve into bigger things. And this next line coming up is one of my se- favorite 70s movies, Walking Tall. Welcome to I T- proposed to it to uh, Roger Avery, who knows every single movie ever made in every language and was completely down with it. And then uh, I get to beat uh, Vanderbeek here, uh, Vanderbeet him. Uh, Stuntman started it at first, but it was a little too sensitive and tender, and uh, I heard Roger yell in the background, Let Clifton have the bat! And the stuntman looked at me a little afraid, like, should I give it to you? And I looked back at him a little afraid too and kind of nodded my head and said, yeah. And I kept beating him till they yelled, cut. And I was huffing and puffing and said, why? And he says, the bat's broken. So they gave me another bat. We did it again.
0: Again, the music is perfect at the exact right time. The music in this movie, I just, I won't say it again after this time I won't say it again after the second time I'm going to say it. But it's just so good. It's, I can't, I love it so much. It's so exciting to be in a movie where the music is perfect. Like, oh gosh, you know? like That's all you ask for, really. (laughs) Just the music and the clothes to be good and you know, everything else will fall into place, hopefully, but just the music and the clothes, please. mentioned something i think i read it on roger's site about how they liked how he did this here at the end this kind of freeze frame well, i don't know i'm sure there's a term for it close up thing and he also did that with the food service girl because it's showing the similarities between all of the char- all the those characters And they pointed out that she would just happen to be the only one that did anything about it. And I think that that was really something just really interesting and sad. I hope that made sense.
4: How are you, Miss Hind?
0: Where have you been, Mr. Denton? Okay. This is the only time me and Paul say anything to each other. In the book, they used to go out until he admitted he was gay, I guess. So that's why they're already just kind of comfortable with each other. I think some people were wondering that. Every time we walked down those steps, I, like... (laughs) I think Ian was doing this, too, although we never talked about it, but it was, like, really important for me to make sure our steps were the same and in sync.
3: Listen, were you putting notes in this box?
0: God, that's so pretty. (laughs) It just wasn't even snowing. It was completely in the middle of the summer.
2: Purple ones? Love letters?
0: No, I didn't put notes into anybody's box. I had to uh, loop all of this, and because of the snow machines, and it was, um, it was really, really hard. I'm horrible with ADR, just horrible. Not to people like him. I'm getting better, I think, but I just hate it because it's hard for me to admit or, you know, believe that you have to be good at recreating something that was so special or spontaneous, like, I don't want to believe or I don't want to know that that I could be good at that. That scares me or something. So that's exactly what you do in ADR. So it was kind of hard because there was a lot of, like, interesting things in the scene that were just little breaths or exasperated sighs and, and whatnot that were hard to duplicate.
2: started driving faster as I left the college behind I didn't know where I was going
0: and that scene I'm you know I bundle up and get myself There's warm and then I separate my feet yeah. I don't even know why I did that I yeah. watched that and I'm like what the what were you thinking there <laughs> it was a wide shot and you just separated your feet it doesn't look right and bothers me I think most people that did this movie, and I know for sure that I I felt this way, is that you just kind of had to... It took a while, but you kind of had to admit to yourself that you might not have another experience like this ever again, and that's okay, and that, you know... You just have to, you know, know that there'll be other ones that'll be amazing in different ways. But it was just so amazing for everybody. It was such an opportunity for everybody to uh, really be creative and to feel collaborative and to feel beautiful and to feel talented and um, Roger helped us out with that and he did that with love and he, I don't know, he just kind of was really supportive of everybody in that and not, and not uh, alienating us him you know loving us and loving the characters and not not hating not hating us <laughs> I think that that makes sense but um yeah it was pretty amazing
4: nobody never gonna disconnect us or ever separate ourselves say to us you've got to...